Hello, welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 3, Episode 36 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us today as we begin a new study of Come Follow Me uh, schedules this week. Today we're focusing on February the 1st to February the 7th uh, in the Come Follow Me manual, which covers Doctrine and Covenants, um, Sections 10 to 11, titled That, that You May Come Off Conqueror. Uh, and today we're going to have a look at the historical context behind um, th- the first section uh, in this um, week, which of course covers um, Doctrine and Covenants section 10, uh, and also start having a look at the start of the section, which deals with the title, Say Satan Seeks to Destroy the Work of God. So as the, we, as I, as I like to do, uh, I want to just quickly cons- consider the, the historical context behind this chapter. Um, one, because it helps us understand the timeline and where Joseph Smith is at and also other people uh, mentioned to um, mentioned in this section of the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, but also it gives us a bit of an insight into what principles the people had to be taught and why. And I think that the why is one of the most important things. Otherwise, we read these revelations and they just kind of an, um, uh, what's the word, an organised set of various instructions. And we're not sure why those instructions were given. When we read the Book of Mormon, for example, we, we often, t- if someone shares a scripture, they often share the context behind what is happening just to help us understand why that verse or why that principle is being taught. And so it should be the same with the, with the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, in this case, uh, and I will all again refer to, and I'll keep referring to this till the end of the year, I'm sure, if you go to the Come Follow Me manual in the actual Gospel Library app, uh, and you scroll down to the bottom of the individual study section, there is a tab called Historical Resources, which takes you to a whole load of wonderful resources, often drawing from the Joseph Smith Papers uh, project, um, also Revelations in Context and the Saints book, all three of which I think are absolutely brilliant resources, and I really strongly recommend you go away and study. In the Joseph Smith Papers section of this, uh, it, is, it explains that we actually are not 100% sure when this revelation was given in its fullness. I have a 1981 edition of the um, of the scriptures um, in my possession, my paper scriptures. And in the header of this, it says, Revelation given to Joseph Smith the Prophet at Harmony, Pennsylvania in the summer of 1828. However... If you um, search the uh, the scriptures yourselves uh, and you look at um, either a 2013 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants or perhaps you look in the app, uh, which is obviously the most updated version, it says, Revelation given to Joseph Smith the Prophet at Harmony, Pennsylvania, likely around April 1829, though portions may have been received as early as summer of 1828. So this is particularly interesting because for us, it helps us give a bit of context as to what is going on. Um, If you have a look um, in the Joseph Smith papers section of the historical context resources, it says, quote, assigning a date to this revelation is problematic, both because the earliest extent extant versions of the text are dated inconsistently and because the content fits multiple historical contexts. In Revelation Book 1, which contains the earliest extant copy of this book, the page or pages containing the Revelation heading are missing. So the date, presumably listed by John Whitmer, has been lost. 
The index to the Revelation book locates this text between two April 1829 revelations, suggesting that Whitmer assigned an April date, but the editors of the 1833 Book of Commandments give it a date of May 1829, a date retained in later publications. Close quote. It then goes on a bit further into the details of, you know, who recorded what, how there's a clerk that Joseph Smith had in 1835, which was a bit different as well. But there's also the fact that the text seems to fit two different times as well. Some parts of the text seem to fit 1828 and some parts seem to fit 1829. The 1828 sections refer to delivering up the lost uh, the 116 pages manuscript to a wicked man. Uh, but also it, it talks about translating again the words uh, which have or, or not translating the words that have gone forth, which of course fits an 1829 context. Um, so it, we're not 100% sure, but what we can say is that this was, you know, completed as a revelation around the summer of 1829, um, but there are parts of it that date back to 1828. Um, the Joseph Smith Papers um, section, again, continues, quote, A potential solution to these complexities is to consider the featured text as a composite of two revelations, one from 1828 and the other 1829. The stylistic features of this revelation, however, strongly suggest that although Joseph Smith may have received the first portion of the revelation in the summer of 1828, it was not actually written down until April or May 1829, along with the rest of the text. This revelation, written in the first-person voice of Jesus Christ, more closely resembles Joseph Smith's April 1829 texts, which include proclamations such as, Behold, I am God, than it does the July 1828 uh, revelation which speaks of god in the second person the text featured below also lacks the typical signs of a composite revelation such as an amen marking the end of a particular revelation within a larger text close quote so with that understanding in the background knowing that this was probably given around that time where you know some of it was given when the, re the revelation or sorry the the um, translation process had been coming to the end. And so Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery would have had these questions about, well, what do we do now? Do we <clears throat> retranslate these pages or do we continue into this other section in the book, which, you know, what, where do we go with this? Um, the Lord obviously directs them with that. But um, also other parts refer to actually what happened uh, to these pages uh, when they were lost. Um I do want to share a bit from the revelations in context as well, because it helps us again to understand, you know, what are the purposes of this section here? Um, so in revelations in context, it says, quote, work on the translation commenced in earnest on April 5th, 1829. Joseph and Oliver picked up where Joseph and Martin had previously left off near the beginning of the book of Mosiah. But in May, as they approached the end of the book of Mormon, as we now have it, they wondered whether they should retranslate the lost portion. To address this question, the Lord gave Joseph Smith another revelation, now contained in Doctrine and Covenants 10. The revelation confirmed Joseph's fears of, of a conspiracy. However, the Lord reassured Joseph that he had long, a long-prepared solution. Joseph was commanded not to retranslate the lost portion, but to supplant it with the translation of the plates of Nephi, which covered a similar time period. Thus the Lord would frustrate the plans of the conspirators and fulfil the prayers of the ancient Nephite record keepers who desired these writings to come forth unto this people. Close quote. I love how um, 
you know, the Lord has a plan. And, and we will talk about this quite a bit as we get into the text of section, t- uh, section 10 itself. Um, the Lord always has a, a, a reason for, well, not, and this, we have to be careful with this. And I've heard this discussed quite a bit on podcasts that I listen to. The Lord did not want the manuscript pages to be lost. I think we need to make this clear very at the start that this was something that was part of his plan. Yes, he prepared for it as as such, but he certainly did not want it to happen. Uh, he wasn't pleased when it happened, but he had prepared for it nonetheless. And so understanding this helps give us a bit of comfort in our lives to know that the Lord will not be happy with us when we make mistakes, but he has planned for it. His work will not be frustrated. His work will go forth. We will not be the means of making the work stop. But for our own personal development and um, and blessings, we need to try and do all that we can to follow his will. Um, so in Dashon Covenant section 10, very early on in verse 4, where you can read about what the Lord says to Joseph Smith in terms of the translation process of the Book of Mormon. I think it's important to note that at this stage, I mean, they are translating at a remarkable speed. Um, we're talking about seven to ten pages a day. Now, to give a bit of context in that, I was hearing an experience of um, a person, I think they were working on the Japanese translation of the Book of Mormon, with all the resources and translators to their, in their power, and you know all the te- technology that they had in order to do this. They, it took them around about a day to, put, to translate one page of the Book of Mormon. And this is a Book of Mormon where the text had already been written. Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery are writing down new scripture they haven't got a text to, to to record from they are writing down new scripture and they were writing at a rate of seven to ten new pages every day uh, which is astounding when you kind of compare it with the context of the translating of the book of mormon into japanese taking a page a day with all the resources that those translators had to their hands and the, the fact they were just literally copying the text rather than trying to divine and translate an ancient um language they didn't understand uh, and so, you know, in verse four, that puts a lot of context to this verse. It says, do not run faster or labor more than you have strength and means provided to enable you to translate, but be diligent to the, unto the end. And I think that we can learn a lot from this verse that, yes, we should do everything we can to support the work of the Lord. We should, you know, put our best efforts forward and serve with our heart, might, mind and strength. But don't but don't push ourselves. Uh, Neil, Neil A. Maxwell said this, quote, As the Lord's under-shepherds, let us take preventative care to set a prudent pace for church activities and extra financial contributions. The Lord, the Lord wants dedication, not prostration. Even the vital Book of Mormon was translated only as strength and means were provided. Close quote. Don't, you know, donate, you know, hundreds and hundreds to fast offering and not leave enough for your family. Don't provide you know, every minute of your day to the work of the Lord and neglect that time with your family. You know, I think it's important that we take things into moderation and consideration, even the things of the Lord, so that we can then not run faster than we have strength. You know, we will always feel that we can do more. But if we are honest with ourselves and honest with our Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father will help us know through the Spirit if he is happy with our efforts. And um, I think that that is an important uh, reminder and pace to set. Thank you very much for listening today to mainly the, the, the context of this section for this week. We're going to dive more into the text from tomorrow. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please do follow the podcast. Uh, you can join and re- review and subscribe to it. Also join the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And you can also email session at gmail.com. 
Thank you very much for listening and until we meet again.